0: Apparently, I either preach really bad Sunday or I preach so good, people don't need to hear a word for three or four years. Unbelievable. Wow. Thank you for being here. So glad you're here. Amen. I, uh, well, Lord bless the teaching in Jesus' name. Amen. You may receive. it. I uh, have been trying to share with you people the power of the Word of God and that um, I spent at least two weeks if not three sharing with you the fact that the nobleman didn't need his physical presence to bring miracles and uh, and somehow we need to learn how really powerful the Word of God is according to Psalms uh, 33, 6 through 9, Hebrews 11 through 3, 11, 3, 2 Peter 3, 5 through 7, says that the cosmos was created by the word of God and the things which appear are not made by things which are seen. And and I'm still on this kick, I guess, about the word of God. And and when I was praying, uh, asking God to give me some understanding on how to embrace the word of God. And somehow, I guess I asked him, I said, did I believe it? I think I believe it. And yet for some reason, it doesn't seem like, at least myself, believes it like these people in the Bible believe it. Because he would just give them a word and then after the word came the wonder or the miracle. And, and what caused them to believe with such intensity and desperation, determination is something I'm still chasing, I guess. I'm still challenging myself on what to do and about how we can see the unseen and experience the supernatural. And uh, while I was praying, I felt the Lord just quicken the scripture to my mind. And it's over in John 6:63. 6, he said, my, my words are spirit and they are life. And, uh, and while I looked at that scripture and tried to grasp it and understand it, you're okay, uh, I just, uh, it seemed like the Lord was dealing with me and saying, my word was so full of divine power and divine energy that when people heard it, received it, and believed it, things just happened. Now, and so when I wrote that down, in fact, I have it here in my notes, I wrote that down. My words are spirit and they are life. Now what? Spirit and they are life. So in order for them to work in us, it has to go past the flesh realm, the natural realm, the carnal realm. And get into that spirit realm where where we communicate with that word. And he said, they are spirit and they are life. They, they they are so powerful. They're so energized with who and what I am. If you remember last week, I, I dealt with you about the angel talking to Mary and telling her of the miracle child that she was going to give birth to. And then Elizabeth says in 145, said, Blessed is she that has believed, for there shall be a performance of that which was told her. Mainly because she said... Uh, be it unto me even according to thy word. The word of God created the cosmos. The word of God has got so much power. It has so much ability. And uh, and I don't really think I'm the only one in this building tonight that is trying to figure out or grasp or experience or even discover what am I missing that's not allowing the word to do what it did for these people. What is it? And I don't know whether it takes a new discovery or it's going to take uh, an unlearning of some Pentecostal traditions. I don't know. But I know I'm on a journey because I really feel like I love God and I'm trying to serve God. And, and like he gave them his word and things just happen. You know we, we want the wonders of God, but the wonders of God follow the Word of God, and the Word of God's got to be believed. Okay, and and one of the scriptures that I felt that the Lord uh, brought to my hearing, and, and I'm not asking you to stand up on this; just it'd be fine. Uh, I know you reverence the Lord, but uh, in this in this uh, Hebrews chapter four, well chapter three verse nineteen, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Now, we understand that they're making reference to the writers, making reference to the nation of Israel, not being able to enter in to the promised land and the rest that God had promised to them. But when I read that, it was like it leaped out of me and said, just like my people today. Because they don't believe my word, they don't enter in. To what I provided for them. That doesn't mean we're not saved. It doesn't mean that we don't love God and that we're not uh, his children. But it could it could mean that because of uh, some dimension or some aspect of unbelief, we are not entering into all that God has provided for us and promised to us. That's why one of the writers said... There remaineth therefore a rest unto the people of God. Now, now just stay with me just for a second. Now watch this, chapter 4, verse 1. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest. Now, you understand, entering into his rest. The Holy Ghost, the Bible says the Holy Ghost is the rest. Okay? But in the Holy Ghost is miracles, signs, and wonders in the holy ghost is encouragement and deliverance and uplift and restoration and there can be some aspects that belong to his rest that we're not entering into watch he said let us fear lest it of the promise lest a promise being left unto us entering into his rest any of you should seem to come short of for unto us was the gospel priest as well as unto them. Watch. But the word preached did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So it was like this thing just come alive to me. and says, there's no great mystery, Jeffrey, about what you people are missing. I'll show it to you again. You are missing the fact That the word of faith is being taught and preached, but you and your people are not mixing your faith with the word of faith. And if you don't mix your faith with the word of faith, the word of faith doesn't profit you. Now, the next battle in my heart and mind is, okay, how do I mix my faith, my faith, God's given to every man a measure of faith. Mix my faith with the word of faith. You've got to override doubt and unbelief and fear and anxiety. You have to override the things that in your life that say, well, that's just not possible. You have to override the voice of Jerry's house that says, why trouble ye the master any longer? The girl is dead. It's too late. That's that spirit that gets a hold of all of us that says, it's too bad. It's too late. It's been this way too long. Ain't nothing going to change. That's why if you read that over in Mark 5 when that happened, when those people came from Jairus' house to give, you know, some people enjoy giving bad news. They probably don't go to church here, but I think I've seen some of them visit. And and they just said, trouble not the master. Uh, your daughter's dead. It's too late. And w- when you read, Mark, I'm assuming you read the Bible. Uh, Mark 5, when you read Mark 5, it says, and when Jesus heard the word. Now the word that they spoke. Now, you got two options. You got two options. I know what my option is because I preached it all over the Pentecostal world. But you have two options. He heard the word, she's dead, it's too late. That's one option. Now, I don't choose that option. I, I always choose the other option. When they said, trouble not the master. And when he heard them say, he's the master. He turned around and he said, "If I'm the master, hold on." And I really think that's how we mix our faith with the word of faith. We look at things that are impossible, improbable, unreasonable, but here comes the master. And he's the master of life, and he's the master of death. He's the master of devils, he's the master of disease. He's the master of failure. He's the master of mistakes. He's the master of everything. So when you read it, just read it. It says, and when he heard that word, doesn't say words, plural. It says that word. Now that could apply to she's dead, trouble, not the master. Or it could apply to when they called it master. Because I have always felt like something supernatural comes out of you and I, when we say or call or believe, he is the master. Remember on that trip in Mark 4 when they were in that boat? I preached on that lots of times for you. said he fell asleep on a pillow and they got filled with jeopardy and the boat was being filled with water and they got terrified. And the Bible says they ran over and grabbed a hold of Jesus and said, Master carest thou not that we perish. They didn't say, Lord, or Jesus, or my dear friend. They said, Master, carest thou not that we perish. And I think that he got moved to action by that declaration. We're in trouble. We're in a possible upcoming tragedy. But you just addressed me as the Master. Not just a teacher. But the master, and so the the master stepped up to the front of the boat, and the master of the wind and the master of the waves said, "Stop it!" And and the creation that he created seemingly said, "That's the boss. That's the master," and they shut it down. You read. Just take take just some time. Just turn off your TV and your and your. Uh, your internet thing for you know tremendous sacrifice 20 minutes and and just look in your bible and just do a little word study on how many times he's referred to as the master because sin wants to master us and sickness wants to master us and mistakes want to master us and personal failures and hurts want to master us and bitterness and for unforgiveness want to master us. And cynicism and criticism and wrong outlooks want to master us. But we need to let Jesus be the master of the situation. And, and if we can see him as that and, and declare that, I think that there will come wonders out of looking him and seeing him as the master. Okay? You got me? You got me? Okay. So now watch. We, we went through all this uh, last week. I know basically where I stopped because I wrote my notes right here. 3, two sixteen. I got it right here. Well, I'm going back again. I don't mean to bore you. Where the word of the king is, there's power. Where the word of the king is, there's power. And if we can get a hold of God's word who created the universe and cosmos, I've said it two or three times, by his word. Not the power of his word. The Bible says the word of his power. Because you you have to understand something. The word of his power means the word, the expression, is the release mechanism. Doesn't matter how much power he has if there's no release. One of the things that you and I need to learn to do is speak the word of God in faith. Not think about it. Not memorize it. I mean, it's, it's good to do that, not just meditate on it. But sooner or later, you've got to speak it into your situation. And, and, and sometimes when you go to speak the Word into a situation, you'll almost feel foolish. You'll feel crazy. You're The facts say this, but the Word says that. And so you have to understand, sometimes you're going to go swimming upstream, to be able to get the word of God to work, uh, 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 just stay with me, please. Stay with me. Try keep this shouting and running the aisles down. Just, just stay, just stay calm. Stay calm. Stay calm yourself. Calm yourself. Now, this is what I'm fixing to tell you. If indeed the word of God created the cosmos, the universe, the entire material world, comma, and I believe it did, because the book said it did then you have to believe that the Word of God that created everything can recreate. The Word of God that created everything can correct what's wrong. The Word of God that created everything can restore what has become wrecked or ruined. And and there are numerous illustrations in the Scripture both from the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ and through all the, the New Testament that he did miraculous and wonderful things with his word because his word was spirit and it was life. So when, when he released his word something had to happen. It had to. It wasn't a suggestion because he was the creator in clay. He was deity in dust. He, he was the he was the master of the universe locked into a human body. Remember what he said in John fourteen. Think not that I do the works. My Father that dwells in me he does the works. Well, here's the issue. You got to make up in your mind tonight. Does the Father dwell in you? Not now. If you say he does, how come he's not working in you? because our flesh gets in the way because our friends get in the way here's the work here's the worst because my feelings get in the way because i become aware of what is and i'm i'm afraid to step into what could be remember when the lord would speak to any kind of situation he never gave a suggestion he always gave a command and spoke the end results. He always said, be opened, be cleansed, be healed, be still. He's always spoke end results. It wasn't like a trial and everything to see if it was going to work. There was no doubts about it. In fact, when he walked into the one synagogue, the demons that were possessing this man turned around and said, what have we to do with thee? Has thou come in? As i come to torment us before our time, they already know they got a lease agreement, and they're they're almost out of time. They know that's coming. They just want to know whether you are just speeding up the days before we go to the pit. We we know you're able, and 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 watch what the Lord said. Be still, be quiet. He didn't say like we would. W- would you please calm down? Would, would you would you stop interrupting the service? No, he always gave the command. He said, be still. Be quiet. I don't need to hear from you anymore. And that spirit just went. Right. And then after he shut his mouth, he said, in fact, let's just take care of it now. Come out of the man. And the spirit took a fit, threw a fit, and threw him on the ground, didn't hurt him, and he came out. Never touched him. Remember that scripture in Job 34, one of my favorite candy sticks? His hands make whole. Well, I have in my notes, so does his word. Amen. And one doesn't work any better than the other. Watch. I tell you, I think I've got an answer for myself in this. I don't know about you. Maybe you live on a different plane. It said, and the word preached unto them did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard the word. So apparently when Jesus would preach and Jesus would teach and then he got ready to demonstrate and and loose people and liberate people, the people mixed their faith with the word of faith and so that when he gave a command, they just responded. But if you don't mix your faith... See, sometimes I think... We Pentecostal people think that mixing our faith is this. Oh, glory! That's not mixing your faith. Hallelujah! No, that's just responding to what you sense or feel. When you mix your faith with the word of faith, you say, I believe that. That's right. I'm going to claim that right now. That's right. I'm going to react to that. I'm going to respond to that. That miracle's mine. That forgiveness is mine. That deliverance is mine. Remember, nobody in this house ever got saved that didn't mix their faith with the word of faith. When the word of faith was preached out and salvation was offered, you and I, in our own respective ways, we received it, we believed it, we mixed our faith. Guess what? We got forgiven, we got filled with the Holy Ghost, we got born again. We mixed our faith. Because you know there were many times, possibly... When you went to church, you didn't mix your faith with the word of faith. You felt conviction. You felt like you were convinced it was right, but you couldn't bring yourself to mix your faith because that means you then have to make a step. That's another problem we have. We like to mix our faith and stay hidden. Or as our church likes so much, stay silent. I'm going to show... (laughs) I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. Enoch... Watch. Enoch, we love to preach. I love to preach on Enoch. But Enoch heard the word of faith. And he mixed his faith... With the word of faith, and it caused him to live the way he lived. We should never send a signal to other believers in the world that we're living the way we're living because Brother Arnold's against something. You you need to live like you live because the word of faith came to you and you mixed your faith and it caused you to act. Enoch heard the Word, acted on the Word, and lived by the Word, and then was translated by the Word. Now you've got to watch this, because this is powerful. I, I don't think I've ever heard a Pentecostal preacher in my life ever tell the whole truth about Enoch in my life. Enoch was only translated because the Word said he was going to be. Yeah, you could take this to a Bible school. eh? I, I, I guarantee you they don't have to tell that. Enoch was told by God that he would not die. He was told in the scriptures that he would be translated. He believed what he was told without any evidence. with God so well. that if I understand the scripture, he never did see the first coming of the Lord. There's no scripture you can find that he ever saw the incarnation. He lived so close to God, he saw the second coming. That's found in the book of Jude. Behold, he cometh with 10,000 of his saints. He didn't get any evidence about the incarnation. He got evidence about the second coming of the Lord. And he was told by God that he wasn't going to die. That the Lord was going to take him. He believed it. Now you got to watch. That's the battle and the trial of your faith and mixing your faith because everything around you contradicts what you've heard. He said, you're not going to die. And everything around him died. Every person that he ever saw live, they all died. But he's got a promise from the Word. You ain't dying. I'm fixing to take you out of here. He was promised a translation. You can read it in Genesis. You can read it in Jude. You can read it in Hebrews. And he believed it in the face of contradictory stuff. And that becomes the trial of our faith and the battle of our faith because everything around us when we go to believe God for something, contradicts what we're trying to believe. <laughs> this, is, I, this is Wednesday, isn't it? I kind of tell this is, this, is this is Wednesday. Now watch. I'm, I'm talking about hearing from the beyond. Remember my little candy stick about going beyond. Now Watch. All through the Bible, people were told by the beyond to help them live in the now. Mm -hmm. Noah hears a word from another world. Mm -hmm. I'm going to destroy the whole earth. Sure, right. Yeah, sure. I'm going to cause it to rain. What is rain? Never rain. I'm going to kill everything. I want you to build this boat. And I'm going to make it float, and it's going to spare you and whoever gets inside the boat. Now, he's got to build that boat in faith, in obedience, in the face of scoffers. In the face of people who make fun of what you believe and how you live. You'd be surprised how many people in the so-called Christian world do not believe in the second coming of Jesus. I read a statement to you from the survey that was done by the American religious people and they said in their statement 93% of the people that were surveyed from Christian churches do not believe in the second coming. Well, if I didn't believe in the second coming, I wouldn't believe in the first coming either. 93% That means those wackos of us we're in the 7% 7% that does believe. And we believe he's coming back. We believe we're going. We believe we're going to be translated. raptured, get a glorious body like his glorious body. And we have to mix our faith with the word of faith, irregardless how people think we're nuts. And, and by the way, we need to live. When you mix your faith with the word of faith, you need to live with one eye on eternity, and the other eye on the judgment seat of Christ, because we're facing both of them: judgment seat of Christ and eternity. And 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 you got to believe it in the face of people that say, "Oh, you you stupid church people, you're so." Life now for something you think is going to happen in the future? Well, if if you were going to hell, I'd recommend you to order your life a little better than you are right now. But see, that's because people who say stupid stuff like that, in their heart of hearts, they don't believe there is a hell. They've been convinced by these liberal morons on TV, radio, and literature. That God is a big sugar daddy, a big Santa Claus. He's not going to let anybody be lost. That's a lie from hell, folks. That is not going to happen. Whosoever was not found written in the Lamb's Book of Life goes to the lake of fire. That's it. But it's going to take mixing your faith with the word of faith to believe it. And when you believe it, you'll behave. Going, I'm going slow. I'm going yeah. slow. Noah believed a voice from another world, mixed his faith with the word of faith that was told him that he was going to destroy the world by water. He was going to do something he had never done before, and he was going to spare Noah and those that were believed him and, with, and were with him. And he had to act on the word of faith and mix his faith with it. All right. Now, let me tell you, if... If you're wondering whether you're mixing your faith with the word of faith, how do you live? How do you conduct your life? See, we we have people that come to our church Maybe jesus that's not the issue. How do we conduct ourselves? What are we doing in the face of eternity and the soon coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? We've got to mix our faith with the word of faith. Because the Word is full of energy and power. We are not... We only have any kind of power in us because God gives us the Holy Ghost. But that once that happens, we still have to mix our lives and our faith with the Word of faith or, or the Word does not profit us anything. That's why I'm wondering if we are not having as many salvation experiences, conversion experiences, healing and miracle experiences in our church... Mainly because we are not entering to that part of the covenant, that rest that God has promised to us. Because for somehow we're not mixing our faith with the word of faith. We're not mixing it. When, when people mix their faith with what they heard from the word, they get forgiven. They get healed. They get delivered. They get the Holy Ghost. They get saved. They get born again. They get encouraged. They get strengthened. That's how it works. You can't even get forgiven of a mistake you made if you don't mix your faith with the word of faith. He that confesses his sin and forsakes it shall find mercy. Okay, here's the promise of the word of faith. You'll get mercy. Here's the requirement. Confess and forsake. If we don't confess and forsake, we're not mixing our faith with the word of faith. So what happens? It doesn't profit us anymore. I know it's Wednesday. I know it's Wednesday. I know it's Wednesday. Just consider. Just consider the miraculous ministry and life and the mercy and restoration that Moses experienced from hearing a word from a bush. And the angel of the Lord appeared in the bush and told him, I'm not finished with you yet. I want to use you to redeem Israel and deliver two and a half million people. And I'm going to and he believed it. How do I know he mixed his faith? He went back to Egypt. If we mix our faith with the word of faith, it will order how we live and how we walk. I'm sorry to hurt your feelings. I'll help you with this. See, amen means it's even so. I'm talking about how powerful the word of the Lord was. How powerful it was. Most of the people in the church know that my, probably my favorite Bible character outside of the Lord Jesus Christ is Elijah the prophet. I love Elijah. I can relate to him. Not that I have the power that he had. Not that I have the miracle work walk that he had. I can relate to him because I have extreme lows and highs like he had. Yeah, when I'm on, baby, I'm on. And when I'm off, I'm so far off, I'm not even on the map. And that guy would could zoom into the heavens and he could take an express into hell. That's the problem with those of us who are emotional. The rest of you people that are so well balanced and well keyed, you don't suffer from oh no. Oh no. It's always mm-hmm. That's fine. That's fine. I mean maybe you're safer than I am. I just, uh, I enjoy high. I just enjoy it. I hate low, but I enjoy high. I mean, I really do. I like the Mount of Transfiguration a lot more than the valley where the demon kid is. I just, and so I'm willing to trade having to deal with the valley for that euphoria dealing on the high mountain with God. I just, because usually there's an overflow that carries me through these low spots. Elijah, I'm going to help you with this. Elijah was a powerful man of God. But James said he was a man of like passions, even as ourselves. Now, let me make a statement for you. There's only one thing that made Elijah as fantastic as he was. One thing only. He mixed his faith with the word of faith. Faith is what made Elijah powerful. Being connected to the spirit world made him powerful. Now watch. He gets ready to challenge the prophets. God, remember what God said? Go show your faith to Ahab, I'll send rain. No evidence. Clear skies, heat wave, drought. And the word says, I'm sending rain. All he has is the word. I'm going to give you something to save you years and years studying or going to Bible school. Let me tell you what it is. What is faith? I, I've read so many dozens and dozens of books and interpretations and explanations. What is faith? I've got to save these people years of studying. I could, have, I could have told them up front they could have went and played golf. Here's what faith is. Ready? It's, it's going to be revelatory. Hold on to your hat. Believing God. That's it. That's it. No ifs, ands, or buts. What is faith? Believing God. Believing what he said, no matter how impossible it looks, how crazy or absurd it feels. What is faith? Believing God. That's it. Believing God. And the thing that we have to do to get that belief to work is to mix our faith. Elijah, go show yourself to Ahab. I'll send rain. Well, he shows himself to Ahab. There ain't no rain. Then they had the turmoil on the mountain. Remember that story when he calls down the fire? But do you ever look in at that, in that one little verse when he gets ready after the Baalite prophets couldn't do anything but put on their little Pentecostal show? It looks like a serv- Pentecostal service. When you look at what the Baalites do, they're screaming, they're yelling. The only difference is they're cutting themselves. We usually cut each other. But then they, they, they're cutting themselves. And blood is gushing out everywhere, and they're screaming, Oh, Baal, help us, help us, help us. And there was no God to answer. Right. That's the way we are sometimes. We go through all the gymnastics and stuff, and nothing happens. Why? Because emotional displays is not mixing faith. So when they finally finish, we know the story. Elijah says, Step back, boys. Let me show you what a real God can do. And he, and he rebuilt the altar. And then he poured the water on. Now watch what he says. Now, Lord, let it be known this day that I am thy servant. Watch this. And I have done all these things. Here it is. Here's the key. At thy word. I didn't just come up with this little plan in this little episode. You told me what to do. And I believed you. And now that I've believed you, and I have complied with you, and I have obeyed you, I want you to vindicate my actions. And the Lord said, with pleasure. That's what we have to do to get what we need from God. We need to have a word from God. We need to believe it to such a place that we obey what it says and then we have to have expectation that God is going to do what he promised. Are you hearing me? Now we always know the story about Abraham. He's fully persuaded that what he's promised, he's able to perform. That's fine. But, but, you got to get this. If you don't remember nothing else... Remember this, the word of God. Wait a minute. Whether it is a rhema word, which is a a now word, a quickening uh, impression, a voice of the Holy Ghost, something that talks to you, or it is the written word of God, either one should be our warrant for obedience and belief. It should not be well, I'm waiting to feel the spirit, while well, I'm waiting to sense something, while well, I'm waiting for the hoopah, hoppa, baka, baka. I'm waiting for rain to... Ho-. No, 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 no. If God gives you and I His word, that's enough warrant to believe. Because everything else in the universe knows and believes that's the word of God. When the word of God comes to devils, they say, "Yes, sir." When the Word of God comes to disease, it says, yes, sir. When the Word of God comes to storm and nature, it says, yes, sir. When the Word of God comes to mankind, I'm not sure. That's why when he prayed in John 17, he said, Father, I have given them thy Word, and they have believed it. So what is faith? Believing God going to help you? You're looking perplexed at me right now, or my glasses are foggy, one or the other. Let me give you a simple, simple explanation of what sin is. Now, we can put labels on all kinds of flavors of sin, disobedience, this, that, breaking the law of Let me simplify it. I'll tell you exactly what Jesus said sin was. Ready? It's in, it's in John 16. And he says, and this, when the Holy Ghost comes, will convict them of sin. Why? For not believing on me. That's what sin is. That's what sin is. Not believing on Jesus. Not believing in Jesus. Not believing His Word. Okay, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. God's Word has to be the warrant. For us to believe and to act and to receive. Consider, he gave the centurion his word. That's all he gave him. The centurion said, I believe. And the servant said, and I receive. And he gave his word to the Syrophoenician woman. She said, I believe. And the daughter said, I receive. He gave his word to the nobleman. And the nobleman said, I believe. And the sick dying son miles away said, I receive. What what, what am I trying to say? Centurion, Syrophoenician woman, nobleman. They all mix their faith with the word of faith. And when we mix our faith with the word of faith, wonders are going to follow. Supernatural things are going to happen, whether it's forgiveness or it's healing or it's deliverance or it's encouragement or whatever it is, it's going to happen. When you and I, from the deep of our souls, can say, I believe that. Because when we believe something, we act on it. To say that we believe it and not respond to it is, is to show we're not we're not telling the truth, we're lying. When I preach to people around here and say come to the altar and be forgiven and they don't come, they automatically tell me, I don't believe that. If they believe that, they'd be here. If they believe water baptism in Jesus' name, they'd be jumping in the water. If they believed they were going to receive the Holy Ghost, they'd receive the Holy Ghost. You got it? So faith is simply and wonderfully believing God. Sin is not believing Jesus. And it takes all kinds of forms, whether it's behavior, whether it's practices, whether it's lifestyles, whatever it is, it's all not believing God. I don't want to hurt your feelings, folks, but I'm talking better than you're listening. The Lord told Jairus, don't listen to those guys. Ain't too late. It ain't never too late with me. He said, believe, and your daughter shall be made whole. It'll be okay. Syrophoenician woman, nobleman. I got a few more that I made a list of. Turn around. When you go to Mark 2, and they ripped the roof off, they let the guy down on the cot. You remember that? He interrupted his Bible study. Watch what he says. I'd like to touch you and give you a healing, but uh, um, I'm not going to touch you. I'm going to talk to you. Thy sins are forgiven thee. Not a touch. A talk. Thy sins are forgiven thee. And people started saying to him, Who is this man that forgives sins? Only God can forgive sins. And he perceiving what they said, he turned and said, Why do you reason such things in your heart? Whether it's easy to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise and walk. But that you might know that the Son of Man hath power, that word is exousia, authority, on the earth to forgive sins I'll validate the invisible by the visible young man I say unto thee arise take up your bed and go and he that was crippled took off and tells me that in God's economy the visible always wants to validate the invisible now watch he didn't he didn't touch the guy he just talked to it. Why? My words are spirit and they are life. When I release my words into people, life shows up. Wholeness shows up. Mercy shows up. Forgiveness shows up. He walks into the pool of Bethesda. There's all these cripple there. He walks up to the one guy. "Would Would you like to be made whole? Well, I tried to get in the pool so many times and I can't get in while the water's being troubled and... And while I'm coming, somebody else gets in. He goes, stop, 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 stop. You sound like a Pentecostal. Stop! (laughs) I asked you a simple question. I didn't ask you a biography of your life. Would you like to be made whole, yes or no? He couldn't get the guy to ever say yes or no, so he had to stop his speech. Stop, stop, no more. I can't put up with no more stop! Arise, get up! And the guy mixed his faith with the word of faith. In other words, he made an effort to move. And as he responded to the royal command, it worked. Watch. Never touched it. When I talk about that, I feel so bad for some of you sweet people because I feel like you are so married to being touched. If you are not touched, God himself can't help you. If I don't get... uh, Apparently, that's going to do something for you. I feel. You know how many nincompoos we have in a church that feel, that live like a bunch of dogs? Feel his presence. Well, that's wonderful. I love to feel his presence. Do you think the miraculous would work without feeling his presence? Now, if you were honest, you would answer, no. I got to feel it. Well, see, that's that's because you're not mixing your faith with the word of faith. Because faith is not feeling. Faith is believing. No, I'm telling you the truth. Mark chapter 5, he came across to the land of the Gennesaret, to the land of the Gadarenes. And here come the original streaker who wear no clothes, and he's howling like a Comanche at night. He's cutting himself in the tombs, and he's full of demons. And they run up to him and start bartering with him and talking to him. And see, apparently he had such a tremendous hold of those demons over him, That at times they could control his mouth and his mind. And other times he'd be back to normal. Then he'd control him again. So he had a real problem. Because when he gets to talking to the Lord, it ain't him talking. It's those spirits that are talking. The man wants to be free, but he's being dominated by these spirits. We call it schizophrenia nowadays. Dual personalities and all that stuff. There's a lot more involved than just schizophrenia. And so he starts talking to him and he says, I love this. I love this. I wish to God I had faith like devils have faith. This guy's got faith. Faith. They believe God. If you cast us out, they, they already cast their ballot. We know you can. We know you're able. We know that's your business. We know that's why you're here, to set the captives free. We know that. Amen. So if, if, you set, if you set him free and cast us out, don't cast us into the deep. Let us go into the pigs. And, and the Lord is so powerful. JC, he's so powerful with a word. Watch. One word. Go. And all of a sudden, he had a vacancy. And those demons go into the pigs, and the pigs run down the water. He never touched the guy. He told Peter to go catch the hook told the men to go look for the man carrying a pitcher. He told the disciples, Go in the way where the two ways are, and you'll find a colt tied. Uh-huh. All he ever gave with was his word. Right. But see, if you believe the word, you act. Right. Yeah. If you don't believe the word, you stare. Right. He that comes to me, I'll never cast out. Why don't people come? Don't believe. Faith is believing God. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Woo! He told those lepers, go show yourself to the priests. As they went, they were healed. This is the one that really gets me. In Luke 5 turns around after he's finished teaching, he says, come on, let's launch out into the deep. Watch what he said. He didn't say, go fishing. He didn't say, let's launch out to the deep to go fishing. He always speaks the end. Let's go let your nets out for a draw, a catch. Launch out in the deep for a catch, not to fish, to catch. Watch, we're just like him. Lord, we've, we've fished all night and have taken nothing. I mean, we're professionals at this, and it's the wrong time of the day, and you don't know, fish during the heat of the day, and, and you know, the fish aren't going to be there, and I've been doing this for 28 years. I'm smart. You're just a carpenter. I'm a fisherman. Yeah, he didn't do any of that stuff. He said, okay, watch. Faith. He mixes his faith with the word of faith. Let down your nets for a draw. Let's go even though he's probably acting against all his natural impulses as a fisherman. Because when you're able to mix your faith with the word of faith, the miraculous is just around the corner. The supernatural is just around the corner. We know the story. They let down their nets for a draught. And when they let down, the, they didn't let down a the net, they let down a net, and the net break read at the net, he told them plural, let down your nets, plural, but he didn't have that much faith, so he let down a net, and the net broke, and they had a call with the other guys to come over, and they almost sunk both boats, and watch, and on the heels of that miraculous display, Peter gets on the conviction, depart from me, I'm a sinful man, oh, I'm glad you told me, I didn't know that. He said, I came here to make you something you couldn't make yourself. I'm going to make you a fisherman man. I'm going to help you with that. If, if you could mix your faith with the word of faith about catching natural fish, I want you to start mixing your faith with the word of faith for catching spiritual fish. That's what God wants from us. He wants us not to be intimidated, not to be afraid. He's saying to us like he said to them, have not I sent you? Haven't I sent you out into the harvest? Yes. Haven't I given you the ability to catch the fish? Men, women, boys and girls? Yes. Well, why are you staying home? Well, I don't believe you. Oh, okay. As long as we got that straight, you don't believe me. Okay, fine. No, No problem. Just remember when you don't believe me, that's sin. Believing me is faith, not believing me is sin. God, there's some stuff I want to say. It is Wednesday. Yes, it is. I want I have preached so many times on Bartimaeus. I have preached on him for years and years and years. And it wasn't until this past few months that I felt like the Lord ever showed me something I'd never seen. And I preached about his cry and the cry that stops God and God uh, won't won't ignore desperate. I've preached all kinds of ways slicing that pie on Bartimaeus, but but never like this one. Transformed, but not touched. And I looked at that when you read Mark ten. That's where the story is. Mark ten. I never in my whole life I've never looked at it like that and said, Jeffrey, look. He cried out. I stopped. But I never touched it. I looked at it and I said, I never saw that before. I just just assumed that you put your hand on and touched it. He says, Read it. So I read it, it goes to like verse fifty two. He says and he said, What would you have me do unto you? That I might receive my sight. He said, receive your sight. I wonder if he did that to some of us, if we would say, no, no, don't don't leave yet. Touch me. No miracles complete unless you touch me. He said, let me try it again, boy. My hands make whole and my words make whole. And one doesn't do a better job than the other. What do you want? I want to receive my sight. Then receive your sight. My faith has saved thee and his eyes opened up. That's unbelievable. Transformed but not touched. Because he gave him his word and his word is full of divine power. His word is spirit and it's life. You know what we need to pray about this week? God, help me to somehow get a word from you or understand a word in the word of God for you and help me to believe it and and act on it. You know, you got, you got to act in the face of the fact that makes you feel foolish. When he told that guy to go wash in the pool of Siloam, correct? And he washed the mud off his eyes. He didn't touch him to heal him. He just touched him to put mud on his eyes. The mud didn't do anything for him. The spittle didn't do anything for him. The obedience did something for him. He said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And he went and washed, and he came seeing. That's amazing to me. That is so phenomenal. I got to studying all this stuff about him not touching anybody. You know, that woman with the issue of blood touched, got healed, right? And then chapter 6 said, all the people sought to touch him because there was virtue that went out of his body. That's where we are at Pentecost. We're the touchers. God is standing there saying, I'm the teller. I can't get you to have a miracle because you keep telling me unless I touch you, it ain't going to work. He said, God is telling us, if I tell you, it's going to work. If I choose to touch you, fine. If I choose not to touch you, if I told you, it's a done deal. He that cometh to God must believe that God is and God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Not a rewarder of them that diligently touch Him. Now, He's not here in the physical body. He's in a glorified body in the heavenlies. Fine, we can't touch Him like that woman could or those people in Mark 6. But, in 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016, we touch Him by our faith By our determination, by our desperation, by our hunger. That's how we touch Him. Because we can only reach Him by faith. I'm I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Forgive me for boring you so badly. I didn't mean to. I'm just trying to help you, make you understand something. let, Let me show you how it worked in the New Testament. You say, well, you know, it was different with Jesus. Really? According to the scriptures in Acts 3, Peter and John went up to the temple to pray, and they went to the gate beautiful, and they found a guy that has been crippled 40-plus years, never walked. And Peter says, Such as I have, I give thee in the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. Now watch, he did two things, touch and talk. Hi. Grabbed him by the hand, yanked him up, his ankle bones received strength, started leaping and jumping and carrying on, touched and talked. But watch this. There's a whole bunch of scripture here, according to Acts 14, verse three and verse seven through ten. Paul comes to a place called Lystra, and there's a man who was born cripple who had never walked from his mother's womb. The Bible said, "Who heard Paul?" I, I want to read. I want to read it the way it says, because this is this is powerful. There sat a certain man in Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked, had never walked. Watch, and there, and and there, that same heard Paul speaking, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed. So now the man is mixing his faith. With the word of faith. How do you do that? Uh, I don't want to be offensive, okay? I know it's Wednesday and you're almost asleep. Okay, just hold on. My perception said he steadfastly beholding beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed. How did he perceive the man had faith to be healed? I don't think it was like us. Think Paul perceived the man had faith to be healed because he was believing and behaving in such a way as he revealed that he had faith to be healed. Because when Paul was preaching about Jesus Christ and his miracles and forgiveness and deliverances, that man was going, mm, Yeah, I like that. Hey, I believe that. Woo! Wish I could have met that guy. Man, I believe that guy could hear. I, I wish I'd have been there when he was walking. Yes, sir, I believe. I sure. And he was so reacting and responding that Paul, beholding him with his agitated activity, turned around and said, this guy's got faith to be healed. I won't have to go lay hands on him. Hey, stand up on your feet. You'll be okay. And the man was mixing his faith with the word of faith, and the miraculous followed. Let me help you with it. You don't have to wait till the end of a service for somebody to lay hands on you and pray for you. If you just start releasing your faith during the service, whether it's for forgiveness or mercy or encouragement or healing or deliverance. That is why when we are in a service, that sometimes when the preaching's going on or the singing or the worship's going on, and you'll be sitting next to someone, and you'll be going, Woo! hey. <laughs> hey, hey,
1: hey, Woo! yeah.
0: And you're sitting, the guy next to you is like this. Surprise, surprise. Wow. Surprise. Yeah. And the wacko sitting on the corner is going, Woo! yeah. Amen, brother. Bring it on. Let's go. I believe that. Glory. And then when you walk out of the service, the one guy's going, my God, was God in that house, and the other guy goes, What 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 did you what happened to you? What? What? It's it's the one doing this. Hallelujah! Sitting next to the one doing this. No, I don't mean you have to be boisterous and crazy and violent and wacko like me. Have you ever told somebody an interesting story or a fantastic something or you told them about a great sale or something that was going on and while you talked to them, they did this? Now, I've done it and I'm so stupid. What I do is I increase my volume and I increase my gymnastics. And I'm trying to explain to them how exciting this was and how great this is. And they're just looking at me like... And there's other people you tell the same thing. They go, yeah, where is it? Well, how long is the sale? What, what's going on? Now, one's believing you and one's not believing you. How long has it been since you said in the service when the preacher was preaching something like that fine young man that preached so marvelous Sunday morning? preach like that and 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 you're sitting next to someone go whoa did you hear that man was that great and you are so stop hitting me and one walks out of the service on their tiptoes and the other one's just doing their standard Pentecostal Amen. <laughs> 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 I know, I I sit out in the audience sometimes and I make people uncomfortable because I'm on my feet five, six, eight times. I clap my hands. I try to encourage the preacher. Have you ever thought, some of you sweet darlings, that it's not just an ego trip that the preacher is on, that the guy has fasted and prayed and studied and searched for the will of God, and when he gets up to help you... I got all kinds of demons that are fighting against me. I got devils and spirits that are fighting against me. And that sometimes it would really be an uplift if you would just give a little encouragement to the preacher. Because he's battling all kinds of hell to try to bring you a good word from the Lord. Now, I didn't say it was me. I just said some preacher. Really, I mean, I, I just, I, I know it's, I had someone from our church not too long ago tell me, you know, it ain't all in the shop. And I said, it ain't all in the sitting staring either. Well, I, I just don't, I just don't feel like or saying amen. I said, well, keep doing the dumb stuff you've been doing for years. Just do your zombie impersonation. That's okay. It ain't no problem. But you're never going to convince me or God that you believe it. It ain't gonna happen. Because the only way you're gonna show you believe something is to respond to it. That's crazy. Okay. Let, 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 let me just go another little few more minutes and I'll be done. You fine, fine, fine people. Fine people. Watch. Turns around to man at Lister and he says, Spoke, stand up on your feet, you'll be fine. Then uh, Peter goes into a little city and he finds again a guy named Enos and he has been crippled for years. That's Acts 9, 32 through 34. He's been in the bed for years. Now watch. See if, see if the disciples hadn't picked up on the varied ways that Jesus healed people. Touched them, did this, did that. In fact, I am firmly convinced that this miracle that happens in a few minutes, he turns around and looks at this Enos guy, and he says, Stand up on your on your feet and make your, make your bed. You're okay. And the guy just got right up. Never touched him. Where did you pick that up from, Peter? Oh, I saw Jesus do that. Now here, here's the one that gets me. Same chapter. They go into this little village. And there's a sweet lady named Tabitha, which they called Dorcas, and she made all kinds of nice garments for everybody. Well, she got sick and she died, and they washed her and they laid her in the upper room. She's on this bed, I guess. And they sent down the lister and said, "Hey, Peter, come on up here. Uh, Dorcas just kicked the bucket here. We need you to help us." And I, every time I look at this, I keep asking God in my life, "Help me. What can I do to do this? How? Show me how I can release my faith." And the Bible says, watch. First, he put them all out. Uh-oh, he's been hanging around Jesus. Because that's what Jesus did when he went to Jairus' house. And they said, it's too late, you can't do nothing. And they laughed at the his scorn. He took them all and says, get out of the house. How to win friends and influence people. Get out of the house. I don't want all you stupid jerks that don't believe nothing. Get out of the house. So what does Peter do? They're all weeping and lamenting and crying the blues. And, kind of, and if you read the scriptures, and when Peter put them all out, what, what warrant do you have to act like that, Jesus? I, I perceive there's so much doubt and unbelief and sorrow and sadness here. I can't get no faith release. Uh, step out in the hall, would you please? Now, I wonder, he's fixing to do a miracle. I wonder what kind of Pentecostal cynicism is going on in the hall. I can't believe that. Yeah. Oh, I've been like that man, right. man I've been, uh, we've been sewing aprons together for 25 years. What you? Yeah, well, you've got the faith of a dead frog. Get out of the house. And he turned around and he put him out of the house. Read it. Read it. And the Bible said when he put him out of the room, Peter knelt down and prayed. Now, I'm sure he's praying for direction. He's praying for a word from the Lord. He's praying for supernatural energy. He's praying for the will of God. I don't know how long he prayed. Now, we usually think he knelt down and prayed like we do, six minutes. That's it. He might have prayed three days. I don't know. (coughs) Prayed 20 minutes an hour. I don't know. It doesn't say. He said he prayed. But when he finished praying, he turned himself to the body that was dead. Said Dorcas, "Arise! The Lord Jesus Christ makes you whole." She goes, really? And she woke up from the dead, and He gave her His hand, and everybody in that city turned to the Lord. Now, I'm talking about. I'm talking about the power of the word. He didn't touch her. He didn't anoint her. He didn't give her an anointed hanky. He just spoke a word of faith to her. Now, there's no way for her to mix her faith because she was dead. But he spoke a word of faith in authority and said, wake up, get up. And he had seen Jesus do that. I got three minutes. I'm, I'm just trying to provoke your minds, folks. Okay. That's all I'm trying to do is provoke your minds. When, when Philip went down to Samaria in Acts chapter 8, he preached Christ unto him, cast out devils and healed palsy folks and healed all kinds of diseases and the people saw it. You can't find one scripture where he touched them. We just assume he touched them. He may have touched them and he may have talked to them. I don't know. But the miraculous took place. Why? Because the Word of God is full of life and its spirit. And we've got to ask God to help us so we learn how to express the Word of God in faith. Amen. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to finish. Okay. I'm trying to finish. Go one more time and I'll stop. Matthew 12, there was a man in the synagogue that had a hand that was withered. I taught him a little bit last week about that. And he said, stand forth. His hand is withered, not his arm, his hand. And he, I told you, he gives you that debate about sheep falling in and blah, 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 Wouldn't you pull it out on a Sabbath day. One of the things I failed to say to you last week that I want to say to you I wonder what they would have done had he said to them, and which one of you having a daughter who mistakenly falls into a pit or falls into quicksand or falls into some place that she's dying, that you would not snatch her out on the set? But he was kind to them. He just said, an animal. Never mind your kid. So he said, it's okay to do good. He asked the man with a withered hand, he says, stand for it. Now watch. He never touched the man. You would think he'd go, hocus pocus, aligomocus, there you go. He just turned around and he said, stretch forth your hand. And it was made whole like the other. Now that was obedience and faith working together. You have to believe that if Jesus asks you to step out and do something, he's not going to embarrass you. He's not going to hurt you. He's not going to make you look foolish. Okay, you, you, you can stand with me. This is, this is tougher than I want to play with. Thank you, Lord. Bless everybody and give them a good night's rest in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may go home and enjoy the Internet. Thank you.